Hello. Oh, yes, it's on. Hi, friends. How's it going? Now, I'm a little bit nervous because this is my first time I've ever preached to big people. I've only ever like youth people before. So if you see me sweating profusely, mind your own business. Um, right. Um, welcome to Powerhouse Church if you've not been before or welcome to you guys online watching. Thanks for joining us. Um, it is a mighty fine pleasure to have you all. Um, thank you uh, to Graham and Amanda for trusting me with this platform. Um, this is huge and I'm so grateful and I don't ever want to take the opportunity to share the Word of God lightly. So thank you for that, Graham and Amanda um, and the pastoral leadership team. Um, I'm just going to pray quickly because that's a really good way to start some things. So Jesus, I pray that as, um, as I speak that your words might be the words that people hear. I pray for eyes and ears and hearts to be open and receptive to you and I pray that your peace would flow through me so that I don't babble on and on and on. In your name, amen. Um, excellent, so for you guys who don't know me, my name's Brittany, I'm a Maribarian. I grew up here, I own a coffee shop here. Um, I've known and loved Jesus since I was about five years old and Jesus has known and loved me since before I was born. So that's really cool. Um, tonight, uh, you know, doesn't make that much sense. Um, I'm gonna be talking about like spiritual fulfillment and how you can get that according to where you are on your journey with God. But I will be using a lot of food analogies, which is why I said hungry, because you've all eaten at some point in your life. Um, so it helps it make a bit more sense um, as to what we're doing. Uh, if we go to slide number two, thanks Isaiah. Oh, just one back. Yeah, this is my new favorite quote. Um, you can't live a full life on an empty stomach. And so we're talking about, yeah, amen. Not just, um, not just food, food, but about how you can sustain your life so you're not just living on the dregs of what you've got, but living on the fullness that it can be. Um, I'm gonna jump right into scripture because that is also an excellent way to start something like this. Um, and it's kind of cool because I've been reading the Bible my whole life. And so I did the thing where I was like, oh, I know there's this verse in there and it says something about milk and it says something about food and maturity. And I love Google because back in the day I would have had to have read through a lot to find it. And I found it and I read it and I was like, holy smokes, this is exactly what I want to say. So thank you, Jesus, for that. I didn't have to work too hard for that one. So I'm going to read this verse to you now. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Got it? Yeah. Awesome, I'll fit be done. Um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, um, here's the breakdown, the context of where we're at. So Hebrews is a letter that was written, actually by an unknown author, but it's to a group of people who 
knew the start, the Jewish history, it's called the Torah, like their Bible, and they had experienced Jesus and heard his message and were then living in the Jesus time in the New Testament. Um, so it's a group of people who should know what they're talking about. Um, the point of the letter is to, I wrote this down, I'm going to read it out. The point of the letter is to remind them that Jesus is superior to, so like greater than the Old Testament. It talks a lot specifically about angels, the Torah, Moses, the promised land, the priests, the order of Melchizedek, sacrifices, and the covenant. There's a lot of words all in one. Um, to challenge the reader to stay faithful to Jesus despite persecution. So if you are someone who heard that sentence I just said, it was like, milk is a who? Um, you're probably going to be in the milk part that I'm talking about, and that's all right. And if you know about the Melchizedek, you're probably more on the mature side that I'm going to be talking about, and that's all right, but I've got some, some telling off, not telling off, some hard words for you. Mum, I know you know who Melchizedek is. I'm looking at you. Um, so I'm going to break down. I've highlighted a few bits just so you know what I'm talking about. So the this is that teaching, that's the preaching, the Melchizedek, all that sort of stuff. So when he's saying, I have much to say to you about this, it's because they'd already talked about it. And he could go on, but he's not bothering because these people haven't put in the effort to learn. And so they can't go further than they've already learnt because there's no basis there. You see, it says try and time because we know that this letter um, was written to a group of rather well-educated people. And like I said, all of those first three, this dry time, that is all saying, there is more I want to teach you, but I can't because your foundations aren't laid. Um, seeing the part with the elementary and the milk, um, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. This is saying they need to go back to the basics. So to catch us all up, we're going to start this from the basics of what we should know about our faith. Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. Came to earth as a human, lived as a human, so he knows what humans go through, knows how to be us better. He died as a sacrifice for our sins so that we no longer have to go and kill animals and try and try and try and be righteous. Uh, we are forgiven. So that's what we're starting on. That's the basis that this is going from. And then when it gets to the solid food, that is where we start to look deeper um, into the, you know, the teachings of Jesus, the, the walk towards righteousness, the, the, you know, the more, the further on. And so, yeah, and I wanted to highlight the word infant because I thought it was really cool. Um, in Christianese, we have a term where we say born again. So when you, you know, accept Jesus as you Savior, you start your life as a Christian, you're born again. And I'm like, that's super appropriate that you're being an infant because you could be 85 years old and meet Jesus for the first time and you will spiritually be an infant and then we'll walk you on the journey to maturity. You know what I mean? It's like age is irrelevant to this. And also, you'll see that where it says... Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So you could also be someone older who's been in the church for 20, 30, 40 years, but if all you're doing is coming on a Sunday, and that's the only time you're stretching your Jesus muscles, you're not going to have constant use. You are probably in your spiritual infancy because you're not, you know, working on it all the time. Um... Yeah, you've got to put in the work for maturity, essentially. We'll go to the next slide, thank you. 
I made a handy dandy little graphic. Can you read that? Is that clear enough? It's a bit pale. I'll go darker text next time. That's all right. Um, so it's sort of, you can see the positioning infancy, then there is a period of growth, and then into maturity is basically how the Christian life runs. Um, so I'm going to talk about infancy first. And so, like I said, spiritual milk, fully fed by others. You think of a baby, they're reliant on others for all of their source of nutrients. Um, gleaning, which is a term I'm going to come to in a second. So when people are spirit in their spiritual infancy, it is the church's responsibility to look after them. Much like a baby doesn't get born and then just, you know, we have a nephew called Raphael and you couldn't leave him for five minutes. He's a baby. You know, you've got to look after them. So we'll go to the next slide about the term gleaning. So gleaning means to obtain from various sources, often with great difficulty, and also in a farming term, to gather leftover grain after a harvest. So gleaning is sort of that idea of like, I want to gather this much, but I've got to try, you know, try really hard and get it from here and here and here. And um, in the Bible, I first heard about gleaning from the book of Ruth. And I'll summarize it quickly because it's a big chunk of scripture. It's a whole chapter to read. But basically, Ruth, through no fault of her own, ended up a widow living with her mother-in-law in a foreign land. So that was two women at the time where women couldn't really work, no money, no anything. And she was sent to glean in the field of a gentleman named Boaz. And so the harvesters would chop up all the grain, little bits would be left behind, and Ruth could gather them up. Thankfully, um, Boaz is actually a super generous man, and she was turns out to be a really lovely love story. If you've not read it, I'd recommend. Um, yeah, so that's gleaning in the Bible and it talks about that sort of thing of the, the harvest. But gleaning spiritually today for us would look like only coming to church on a Sunday. It's like trying to survive on the calorie intake of a toddler. Like, you know, you're not gonna, if you eat lunch today, you also need to eat something tomorrow because that's how it works. The Bible talks about the, you know, the word of God as the bread of life. It's a sustaining thing. It's not something you can just do once and then be cool with. It's a, a constant refilling. Um, yeah, and especially if it's only church you're coming to, all you're getting is the little bits that your probably distracted mind can pick up. Because I know I'll be sitting there during a message and someone will be talking and then I'll get a message on my phone and look at it and scroll. I know. And, you know, you're distracted and you can't get the fullness of the revelation of God just in one thing, one church session. There's like a whole field, a whole harvest field of wisdom and life out there and you're surviving on scraps. God's got so much more for you. You can get so much more. Um, out of it. And I'm going to actually read a little poem, if you go to the next slide, which I thought was so beautiful. It really hit me to understand like the hugeness, the massivicity, if that's a word, of God and his generosity. And I thought that it was from a song that I heard the other day, but dad informed me today that it's actually a poem written by a lady who was lived in the end of the 1800s to the 1900s. And this woman is amazing. And she, by her teenage years, had lost both her parents, had severe arthritis, lost use of her legs, and was wheelchair bound. And if they had wheelchairs, chair bound. Couldn't walk. Couldn't walk. Um, by 
that um, by the age of a teenager and she went on to write so many beautiful poems that glorify God, which is cool. Um, not that relevant, but a great anecdote. Side note, ah, the words. Anyway, I'm going to read this to you because it really impacted me. It says, He giveth more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labours increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, the Father's full giving has only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father, both thee and thy load will unbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. That knocked my socks off. Oh, I wasn't even wearing socks. That's wild. Yeah, so when I'm talking about the field, the, the scope of what God can do for you, know that it, it goes beyond us. Like us and our friends and our gathered abilities doesn't even scratch the surface of all that God is and all that he has for us, which is, yeah. If you're just new to this, I hope that encourages you. That you're, not, you're not doing this alone and you're not doing it with a God who's only got a little bit of stuff. You're doing it with a God who's got a lot of stuff. Um, we'll go to the next slide. Thank you. So that's the, the infancy, the reliance on God and people and that sort of thing. We're moving into the growth period. Um, you know, I've written there, be taught how to feed yourself and learn, Bible study, practice, questions, fellowship, learning, that sort of thing. Now, this growth period should be your whole Christian walk. You know, if you, if you get to maturity and you think, done that, I'm mature, I'm grown, don't need to learn anymore, you're in, you're in for a, bad, a bad time. It's not going to be good. It's, it will be unfulfilling. Um, but this is the part where you've got to put in work. This is the part I'm calling you guys out on, and I'm calling myself out on, that if you want to move from the infancy to the maturity, you've got to put in the legwork. You've got to go to God, you've got to read the word, you've got to worship, you've got to ask the question. And just so you know, questions aren't bad. There are plenty of times that even like very recently, I've been reading the Bible and I'm very grateful to have my parents who have, you know, known Jesus their whole lives, which are longer than my whole life and have studied a lot and know a lot more and a lot more context than me. And there'll be times, I literally was reading the Old Testament and I was like, man, God's been a real jerker here. Like, this, I don't understand. Like, isn't God meant to be love and joy and all the mercy and everything? And then I can go to people like my parents who know a lot more to me and they can explain. And even sometimes they explain and I still don't get it. And that's okay. You don't have to know everything. And to try to assume that you do know everything just proves that you don't. God is beyond our scope of comprehension. If we could understand him, he wouldn't be God. You know, it's our minds are way smaller than he is. It doesn't work that way. But anyway, that being said, this 
middle part is where you need to really find it for yourself. I kind of had the, the privilege, like I said, I started my relationship with Jesus when I was five years old. So as I grew in age, I think my spiritual life kind of grew at the same time. And so I got to, you know, you get to your teenage years and you want to rebel and you want to, you know, be cool. I, I, I wasn't really rebellious. I was a bit of a goody two shoes, but I did question God in my teenage years. <laughs> And that's okay, and you keep searching. And because if your faith is that that someone tells you, or like your faith of your parents or your friends or whatever, it's never gonna sustain you because it needs to be that intimate thing that you know yourself. Um, where have I? No, missed that bit. All good. That is coming later. I got on a tangent. Um, yes. Here we go, found it, sorry guys. (laughs) Told you I was nervous. Um, Life with Jesus can be uncomfy and scary, um, but but the thing is that we put our trust in something that we know is good and we know is perfect. Um, Even though we can't understand it or comprehend it, I think having that knowledge and that security means that you can, it's like going on a roller coaster but you trust the seatbelt, you know what I mean? It's really cool, it's an adventure. Uh, We'll go to the next slide, thank you. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he told them, this is, he is Jesus, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. Do you ever wonder why sometimes in your faith journey you kind of just coast along? Like you see those people who were living these like big, loud, Jesus, awesome, passionate lives, and you're like, man, I could never do that, I'm not that type of person, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm a reasonably bubbly person, that sort of thing, but it's not just me, it's because I've got a well that is dug deep in Jesus and that's where I get my source from. You know, you see people doing these things and they're amazing, but I can guarantee you not a single one of them is there without having already put in the legwork of building their relationship with Jesus. Because you can't pour out of an empty vessel, you know, you can't give joy and peace and love out to others if you don't already have it in yourself. Um, so yes, are you, are you ready to be a worker? The harvest is plentiful. I said that before in that, you know, he's got a lot, but are you ready to, you know, lean in and pursue a deep and fulfilling relationship with God? You know, it's, it's good. I promise you it'll be worth it if you do. Uh, we'll go to the next slide. I've got another verse. This is where the food comes in. Jesus declared, I am the bread of the life, who, the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is that bread of life, he's the sustenance. Um, and you know, for the most part, us as growing adults, you know, medical conditions aside, we know when we're hungry. You know, you know when you've got a longing in you for something. Sometimes the hankering is for KFC, sometimes it's for vegetables, that's all right. Um, but for the sake of the illustration, I'm gonna call this, this growth period like the teenage years. Um, and I don't know, some of you, have you ever had to feed a teenager? I've been a teenager, I know how hungry teenagers get, and I remember how much I could eat, and I, really, I miss that, I wish I could eat that much still. Um, but in those years that you're growing and learning and you, you get a taste for the Word of God, Like your soul will crave that nourishment and it will crave that fulfillment, but that can only come from a relationship with God. But that being said, 
much like a hungry teenager popping a Macca's on the way home, instead of waiting for the home-cooked meal, if you aren't filling yourself with the Word of God, you will seek out other things, you know? And we have an, an enemy who knows, he's ready to throw all the fulfillment at us. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm not being, saying that I'm good and I've only ever gone to God for fulfillment, because like, I don't know, these shoes have seen the inside of a couple of nightclubs. Like, I love doing, reading weird stories and enjoying things that aren't good or aren't typically wonderful, but I know that none of those things feed me and give me the fulfillment that God can, you know? There's heaps of things calling us out these days. Sex, escapism, drugs, drinking, obsessions, fandoms, witchcraft, all sorts. It's just us reaching and grabbing at things to try to fill the spiritual void. And you know what? If you're here today and you're sitting in a place where your soul and your spirit are craving something, can I recommend Jesus? Like, you, you don't know what you're missing out on. In my, you know, very long 25 years of life, I have found my deepest, most soul-quenching, most heart-fulfilling, most peace-giving satisfaction in Jesus. It's not always, you know, sexy or fun or alluring or anything like that, but goodness me, it's worth it. And it's, it fills that void that you cannot get anywhere else. I don't know if I can put it into words any better. That's just, you, you know when you're hungry. Your soul knows it needs something more. If you were to just sit at home all day and do nothing, you'd feel horrible. Because our soul yearns for something greater. And yes, as I said, I recommend Jesus. Uh, next slide. There we go. John chapter 4, verses 34 to 38. My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper might be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So we move into this next section of the growth. You've done the learning, you're trying to do that, and now we get into the doing the will of the God. What it says, my will, my food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's where, you know, from the Hebrews passage, I was talking about that constant use and the solid food um, part of the passage there. That's where this comes into play. This might mean changing some of your behaviors, leaning into God, leaning into his word. Um, but if you are ready and willing and able, God has an abundance of himself ready to be tapped into. And he can be what you need him to be. Um, excellent. Are we all on the same page? Spiritual milk, teenage years of growth and messy, messy weirdness. Now we're onto the maturity. If we can go to the next slide. So this is the solid food. This is you do the discerning, the workers, you're the ones in the harvest. You feed yourself, but you can also eat with others in terms of spiritual food, that sort of thing. Um, like I said before, maturity, it's part of the journey. And if you're here, I'm going to say it again, don't be satisfied with being there. You've, you've never made it. You're never done. 
you can always learn more, you can always grow more. And I'm preaching to myself with that because it's, it's easy to get on a high horse. Um, and if you do, I pray you are swiftly knocked down um, to continue, you know, in a bit more humility. Um, yeah, let yourself fall in love with learning and growing and all of that again. Um, however, that being said, maturity is the goal. You know what I mean? It's not the end game, but it is the goal. Um, to get to a place where, and this is more food analogies, we can like cook up a spiritual meal for ourselves. You know, if you come to church on a Sunday, the person who's preaching has gone to the Bible and they've read and they've prayed and they've asked God and they've discerned and they've done gathering and they've learnt context and bits and brought it together to present to you like a fully cooked meal. You know what I mean? And if you're just, you know, in the spiritual thing, you're just getting the, getting the scraps. It'll be a delicious meal to partake of. Um, but yeah, where did I? I lost my thing. Cook, share, eat, enjoy our lives with Jesus amongst others. There's another fun Christianese word, word called fellowship, which is where, you know, you share amongst share with people, enjoy community and that sort of thing. And so that's also when you're at that maturity level, you've got your meal, you bring it, you share it, have debates about parts of the Bible, that sort of stuff. It's kind of fun. Um, But it's cool when you reach that level. I I like to look at it as like a little spiritual spice rack. So, you know, earlier I was feeling a bit anxious and so I get the piece off the shelf and give it a little sprinkle on everything. Are you worried? And you get the, the worry, the... Prayer, prayer is the antidote to worry, give it a little shake. And we, in this house, you know, we season with our heart. No measurements, just sprinkle it everywhere. Um, but anyway, uh, if, so if I may, I'm just going to speak directly to pastors, leaders, elders, team right now. Um, the babies, the infants, they're our responsibility. We don't take that lightly. We need to feed ourselves enough in Jesus so that we have the overflow to pass that on to them with grace, with accuracy, and to not neglect them and not turn them away. That's a, it's a heavy responsibility, but you, you guys know, you know what you stepped into. So pick up your mantle, put the work in. Um, you know how we've got systems in place for this church, safeguarding, all that stuff to make sure it's done well. Um, but we really need to cherish the people in our church and look after them and look out for them and help feed them and grow them. Excellent. Next slide. Thank you. I think that's all bases covered. Um, I'm coming to a bit of a close now, actually, if the band wants to come up. Um, But I want you to have a little think about where you are on that journey of faith. If you're sort of just starting or in the middle or wherever, and you can, you can flip back between them and shift as need. Like if you look at Ruth in that story, she was a grown woman, but in that point of her life, she had to go and glean. And there might be times in your life when you have strength for nothing else but rocking up on a Sunday and sitting and listening. And that's okay. Take that time to glean, you know. You can, with some suggestions, listen to podcasts, like read the Bible, worship, talk to people. Have conversations with people who know more than you you know, have conversations with people who know less than you, because it's good to learn what questions are being asked and, you know, put that work in. Um, But at the end of the day, I really want us all to just move forwards towards growth and fulfillment and that soul-fueling love that comes from Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you guys now. 
Um, if you want to just close your eyes and just, you know, give each other a bit of privacy in this moment. But I, I am aware that, you know, this is all very much talking from a started journey of faith point, not necessarily a, a before then. So if there's anyone in here who's not started a journey of faith and wants to, wants to become that spiritual infant and start and go along the journey with us, um, could you just pop your hand up? No one else is looking around. All the eyes are closed. You can stick your hand up and I'll give you a little prayer for you. Excellent. So you can repeat after me out loud or in your head or however you want. So you say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that I don't have to do anything to deserve your love, but that you give it to me anyway. I give you my heart, I give you my soul, and I choose to follow you, Jesus. I'm sorry for what I've done, and I turn towards you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I'm going to pray for everybody else, because prayer's good also. Um, so Heavenly Father, thank you for those that are on their journey at whatever point there is. I pray that you will give each person here um, a, little, a little nudge in the right direction, a little tick in their heart of where they are along the line. And I pray that you will help surround them with people that will guide them towards where they need to be. Father, I thank you that you love these people, that you didn't you know, you said, let the children come to me. At any stage, people are here for you and they want to be with you. And Father, I pray for those who sit in the, the spiritually mature category, God. I pray that you would give us a good kick up the bum sometimes when we need to. Tell us what we need to do, who we need to look out for. And I pray for a strength and a peace and a renewing of a love of learning about you and learning more of your word that we might share it liberally. In Jesus' name, amen.